Hey, how y'all doing today, man? My name is Elgin Mack with the Barber Voice Podcast, and this is my friend as well as the guest speaker for today, Terrell Fierce, and we will be discussing the composition of the man. Now, it's an interesting topic, even more so the title of the podcast is interesting, the Barber Voice, because it was birthed from the concept of from the cradle to the grave, a man would need a haircut and a shave. So this puts the barbers in a position to always deal with a steady influx of gentlemen from diverse backgrounds and all walks of life with different perspectives, different mentalities, different experiences, which gives him a collection of, for lack of better words, give him a reference library to be able to build upon. And I also believe that this is the era of the conscious barber. What well, is not enough to just take something off of the head, but what can you put inside of the head? What can you add? What type of wisdom? What type of edification or education? And my personal belief is that because of this position, this could possibly put the barber in the position to cure the ails or some of the illnesses within the community. Mm. For an example, right, if I got a client such as yourself or others that may be a financial expert, and I have 10 other clients that may be financial and literate, now I can couple him with this particular client and let's get them educated. If I have a client that's good in real estate and I have clients that would like to learn real estate or learn about investments or learn about growing, that I can take those 10 clients and couple them with that one. So now if we duplicate these systems across the board, now I have a hundred clients that's impacted. Mm-hmm. And what about 10 shops? That's a client, uh, a thousand clients that's impacted. So let's take this across the board in all barbershops from all different avenues. Mm-hmm. I really think that we can utilize our resources and our voice Mm. from the collection of individuals to be able to help society. And um, Terrell, I want to introduce you, but this is the thing. Um, I'm a fan as well. So I think my introduction will be rather lengthy. So I would... uh, Introduce yourself, man. Tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I appreciate that so much, and thank you for having me on today. I know this is a very special moment. It's the inaugural uh, episode for the Barber's Voice podcast, and you being a well-diversified, well-connected individual as yourself, you could have picked anybody to be on this show with you today. So I'm honored to be here on this special occasion. A little bit about myself. My name is Terrell Fierce. I'm a native Houstonian. Uh, graduate of University of Houston, go Cougs. Oh, y'all know Cougs? No, okay. Uh, University of Houston, I'm a member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, one of the greatest fraternities on this earth. Um, I'm also an uh, investor. We're going to talk about a little bit about that today. Definitely an investor in the new money system with cryptocurrency. Want to educate everybody on that. And uh, man, I'm just a guy who loves people. I love God and I love my family. So thank you so much for having me on today. Man, it's good. And we, we talked today about the composition of the male. The reason why I came up with that particular topic, because I noticed within the pandemic, there also is a crisis, but crisis don't necessarily mean a negative condition. Crisis also mean an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a quote by Shakespeare. He was talking about how uh, sweet is the use of adversity. And what I notice is many people are anxious to improve their circumstances, but are unwilling to improve themselves. Therefore, we remain bound. Mm. I said we included myself. We remain bound to uh, poverty. We remain bound to self-doubt, to uh, the lack of having a positive self-image. There's a lot of things we remain bound for, which put me in the reverence of this quote by Dr. Quote, by Dr. Wayne Dyer. He said that 
people don't want to take responsibility for the scarcity of their lives. Wow. It is much easier to blame circumstances, mm. events, others, or even God wow, for even the things God. they have failed to achieve or to acquire. Wow. Man, what do you think about that, man? I think it's the truth. I think it's very profound. I think it is a relevant quote. And I think it's what happened to many of us. We're talking to men today, right? So we're talking about manhood. It talk about um, not being able to take accountability for your own circumstances. So I think it's right on the money. I think that we're going to always have adversity. I think we're always going to come against challenges. Um, but it's how we respond to it, how we take accountability for what happened to us in order to propel us to our next level. And I think accountability is very essential because when you take all things into account, then you have the ability to rectify it. Mm. And it kind of put me in the mindset of this story uh, that helped alter my life and my condition at one point. And it's a story about this man. Mm -hmm. And this man, he had this desire to have this beautiful life. So he went and found a puzzle that reflects the life in which he desired. Mm -hmm. It was the life of the perfect or ideal finances. It was the life of the ideal dream home, the perfect wife, the everything you can possibly imagine. I mean, that stellar character, mm -hmm. that nobility, but it was all on a puzzle. Oh, wow. So he was trying to put the puzzle together. He grabbing this piece from this side, that piece from this side, and even though it was apparent what it consists of, he couldn't get it together. Wow. So in a moment, he just got frustrated. He threw the puzzle all off the table. Everything went awry, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, his son came in and said, Paul, you all right? <laughs> What's going on, man? You good? Yeah. He's like, son, I just can't get this damn puzzle together, man. It, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. It took him about three days consistently now. Mm. A summit would have took 15 minutes. Wow. So all of a sudden, man, the son came in the room and he began to pick the pieces of the puzzle off the ground, put them on the table, off the ground, on the table, and he gradually began to structure. Mm -hmm. The pop looked up. In less than five minutes, the little boy had put the puzzle together. Wow. The dad said, man, how in the hell you put that puzzle together? Yeah. The son said, easy, Pop. On the opposite side of the puzzle that had the life you wanted, the wife you wanted, Ooh. the finances you wanted, the opposite side is a picture of the man. Wow. Once you put the man together, everything else falls in place. Ooh. And so as we put the man together with the composition of the male, we chose the word composition because it's to compose meaning to put together something that may be apart. Mm -hmm. So even though we may have the ideal of what we want to achieve, there are some things that are apart or separated that depletes our potency. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I want to talk about, I want to talk about discipline. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about environment. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about purpose. And I want to talk about finances. Now, we know it's more that may consist of the composition, but to me, I think that's core. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what you do, there's laws and those principles that universally that are going to assist with your growth. The same principles that Moses used, the same principles that exist in 2020,000 BC, whatever you want to put it, are the same things that's going to be apparent and potent now. Principles, morals, and laws. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, um, discipline. Mm. 
What do you think about discipline in regards to a man achieving his goals? Wow. Well, I think about uh, when you say discipline, and those are all worthy uh, components and cornerstones for the composition of a man. But when we come to the one on discipline, I think that's our least favorite. Yeah. I think uh, our psychology on the word have to be uh, renewed when we think about the word discipline. Because the first thing come to mind is a whooping. I don't know about Correct. you, <laughs> but when I first, the first thing I hear about when I when I hear the word uh, discipline is something painful, mm-hmm. uh, like getting a whooping. I know I got into things. I have many cousins, and we always got into stuff. I remember growing up. Uh, getting into my grandfather's garden he was a vegetable uh gardener and mm-hmm. we would all get into his backyard and get into his garden and first thing he would do was when he would catch us he would discipline us mm-hmm. and then my grandfather from the old school it is something that kept us straight he would actually take all of us into the back in his back room and we would have to get on our knees on a wooden floor with rice mm-hmm. now don't y'all try to report my grandfather <laughs> for corporal punishment but that's what he did. And all of me and my cousins would be on our knees on rice for hours. And my grandmother would feel bad for us and she'll bring us a jug of water and just try to give us something to cool down. But those disciplines were painful yet formative. Mm-hmm. And it's fresh off the Holy Spirit. I don't even know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was essential. It hurt for me to be on my knees on rice, but it was formative because it taught me the things that I should be doing and not be doing. So those disciplines actually form the man that I am today. It corrected bad behaviors. It corrected necessary behaviors to get a different result. So, and likewise, every man needs to be disciplined in certain areas of their life. And we can start with something as important as health. We need to be disciplined in our health. If we're going to lead our families, if we're going to be the type of men that are going to achieve those those uh, pictures that we saw in the example on the other side, we got to be disciplined in our eating. We got to be disciplined in working out. We got to be disciplined in doing what it's taking is going to take to have the body to sustain the mission and the purpose that we got to carry out in this lifetime. So that's painful, but yet it's formative. Then we think about what's essential is finances, right? You got to be disciplined in making a budget. You got to be disciplined in sticking to the budget. You got to be disciplined in making sure that you count up the cost whenever you want to launch the business, launch the project, launch the new podcast. You got to be disciplined in counting those costs. So I just think that discipline, though it may be painful on the beginning, it is important on the back end. It's a, key it's a key ingredient for everything that you're going to see. Because when I heard you say pain, I thought something similar. I more, I, when I said discipline, I thought about self-restriction. I thought about self-denial. And the thing about discipline is, bro, there's always going to be multiple rewards to every discipline effort. Mm-hmm. However, you can't accomplish anything mm-hmm. worthwhile without discipline. Mm-hmm. It kind of put me in the mindset of Jim Rohn when he said that the bridge between goals and its accomplishment would be discipline. See, when we talk about pain, we said the word discipline, that's something that resonates with both of us, the pain. Mm-hmm. We had different reference points, but there is no gain without pain, that's and right. that's part of the problem. When we talk about how people are anxious to improve their lives, but are unwilling to improve themselves, mm-hmm. why? Because improvement consists of pain. Mm-hmm. See, we want the promise of the fruit of prosperity without withstanding the pain of the process. That's right. So I agree with you about discipline. So if there's something that's difficult, how do we ease it? And how do we adapt? Because you can't, just think about it. Everybody we see that's successful, everybody that we honor, everybody that we admire mm-hmm. are that way 
because of the level of discipline. I would say level of discipline and the level of consistency. There's a book out there called Outliers. And in Outliers, it talk about every person who became an expert in something was disciplined enough to put in 10,000 hours into their craft. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take discipline, but it's also going to take consistency in order to get to that 10,000 hours. So if you want to be a prolific speaker, if you want to be a dynamic uh, teacher, if you want to be a proficient finance person, if you want to be um, a man who is in good shape and good health and have his fitness in order, you got to put in 10,000 hours some way or somehow. You can't skip the process. Man, a man ain't doing much until the cause he worked for possess all that there is of him. And I think that's part of the problem is that I think that we reach something that requires all with less. And we have less with our intention because even though someone may see the thing within ourselves, we may believe it within ourselves, but what's the quality or quantity of our belief? Mm. Because at the end of the day, no one would never rise above their self-image. It doesn't matter what I have or what I believe. If I can't see it in my mind, I will never see it in my bank account. Mm. If I can't see it in my mind, I can't see it in my house because vision precedes the reality of a thing. Even this microphone we're speaking to, the bottled water I'm drinking, it all started from someone's vision. Mm -hmm. And so if we can't have the vision, discipline enough to receive the vision, Mm -hmm. discipline enough to implement the vision, discipline enough to study and show ourselves approved, Mm -hmm. I can continue to go on because everything that we consist of, again, is going to boil down to discipline. So I think that a lot of the things pertaining to me personally, a lot of the things that I failed to achieve was because I failed to implement discipline. Mm -hmm. And Everything I have achieved came from discipline. That's like when I got out of prison, the first thing, March the 26th, uh, 2006, the first thing I did when I came home, I went cold turkey. Mm. I haven't ate a piece of meat in 16 years, 15, what, 15, 16 years. And I did so because one of the guys that trained me, he said, when you can discipline what goes in your mouth, you can discipline what comes out of your mouth. You can discipline your sexual organs. Mm And you can discipline your activity. Mm -hmm. And just that one decision to become a vegan when it was unpopular. Now, let's mind you now. 15, 16 years. When I did this, there was no veggie. There was none of the amenities that we have now. I I can get my mom online. They thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. I sit up me raw peanut butter with oats, Mm. onions, cold carrots, and et cetera. But that discipline allowed me to stand at the bus stop. And go to barber school when all my partners rolled past me, stunning, mm. trying to offer me sex to put me back on my feet. And me knowing that I functioned a certain way and I was used to certain money, certain amenities, I had to discipline myself to withstand the temptation and to stick to the vision. That's right. Almost like a horse with blinders on. And there's something else I want to talk about. It's about sometimes we have to put blinders on ourselves. Yeah, total vision. We have to be able to see nothing but the thing that we see. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. And how are you gonna? How, how, what's gonna allow you to put those blinders on? I want to pick up on what you said. It's purpose. Mm. Mm. I know we did. I know we digging in on on discipline. But for everybody listening, I think that in order to get the blinders on, you're gonna have to know your purpose. You got to know why you were created, why you were sent here, and what were you sent here to do? Because when you know your purpose then everything else that comes at you that will distract and can distract, 
it's easy to put the blinders on and stay tunnel vision because you know your purpose. I feel like whenever your purpose is unclear, especially speaking of manhood and being a man, when your purpose is unclear and undefined, anything can sound good to you. Anything can sound uh, profitable. Anything can sound advantageous. Anything can sound worthwhile to do when you don't know your purpose. And it doesn't necessarily mean those things that we classify as uh, as a distraction or non good things or essential. It's just not lining up with my purpose. So I would say as a man and for those men who are listening, the day my life really changed is when I got clear and concise and crystallized my definiteness of purpose. Mm. When I got clear on my purpose, every good thing that came my way wasn't a God thing. Mm. So it was easy for me to put blinders on and say, yep, that sounds good. Yep, that could be profitable, but that is not in alignment. So now I have a litmus test that I line things up with to see, is that in alignment with my purpose? Like, for example, when you invited me to be a speaker on today, I accept it because it's in alignment with my purpose. My purpose is to empower and inspire and uplift. And this is just a platform in order to do that. Man, you kind of suspended me for a second. I had to pause because you said something that kind of strangled me. Okay. And what I mean by that, you said a good thing isn't necessarily a God thing. Now, that's interesting because how do you differentiate? Because if God is good mm. and if good things coming and I think it's aligned with my purpose, how can a good thing be a distraction when it isn't a God thing? And the second question, don't want me to double load it, but <laughs> how do you know when it's a good thing versus a God thing? Because... To me, I failed for that a lot of times. It was things that I felt like aligned with my purpose. Like one time I had to go to a speaking engagement. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the speaking engagement was a part of my purpose. However, the people that through the speaking engagement had ulterior motives and was utilizing my purpose and my gift to promote a brand that was opposite of what, and I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So in the form, I spent all them hours traveling, all them hours preparing, and it was a total distraction. And what I came for never even got published. So I'm saying that by putting a bit of my personal experience in when how do you know? Because when we talk to our clients and we communicate with people, specifically men, the first thing they ask me is, how do I know what my purpose is? Mm. Well, I'm going to dissect that in in, in two different parts. First one. When the man or any man who's listening today say, how do I know what my purpose is? I'm going to use the illustration of this microphone we're using. So it would be counterproductive for this microphone to ask the water bottle on the table, what is my purpose? What am I here for? That's similar and likewise for one man to ask yourself as the barber or another man to ask a friend, hey, man, what's my purpose? What am I here for when they are not the originator and the manufacturer? The only way that this microphone is going to know why it have a gold casing, why does it have wires uh, on each side? Why is there a plug in at the bottom? Why is there a circular disc on the center of the microphone is if it go back to the manufacturer who had the initial concept and idea of why it will be created. Created and what purpose would it be created to fulfill in its creation? So likewise, for every man that's listening, for those who are tuning in, if you ever want to get clear on your purpose, and I'm going to backtrack to faith, you're going to have to go back to the manufacturer. Now, I don't know who your manufacturer is. 
I know who mine is. And the, the when I got clear on my definiteness of purpose is when I went to my manufacturer and said, what am I here for? What in the world am I here for? I believe the two greatest days in our life is the day we were born and the day we find out why we were born. And you got to go back to the creator. It's counterproductive to ask anybody else. When we talk about the creator, sometimes, um, because I deal with it, sometimes people may be confused about communicating with the creator because uh, different people have various different backgrounds with how they function in their spirituality, right? Some believe in a source, some believe in, doesn't, don't believe in a source. And I didn't know what my purpose was. Mm. But I found out what my purpose was because the proof is always in the pudding, even though it may sound cliche. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the things that you do the best with the least amount of effort. It's going to be the things that, like me, I found out my purpose was because I had pimps in my chair crying. I had killers converting over rectifying their lives. I had some of the bottom of the bottom. I had attorneys and doctors coming to me just because of my information. I'm like, damn, why? Who am I? Like, what? And I realized that I had the ability to uplift people. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't enough that I identified with it. It wasn't enough that you identified with it. It comes then when you must turn the gift. Mm -hmm. You must sharpen the gift. Mm -hmm. You must polish the gift. Mm -hmm. You know, so... I guess I want to say uh, to those that's listening, the way to identify your purpose is already there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the things that you do with least effort with the greatest amount. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, it's going to be the, the least effort with the greatest amount of effectiveness. Did I, I want right? to spar with you a little bit on that. Please um, do. Please I do. believe that your purpose has really nothing to do with what you do. Your purpose, your purpose is who you are. It's your identity. Is what you were created for because many of us are good at a lot of things. So you can misconstrue what this is my purpose when really it's just a passion and a skill that you've picked up along the way. One of my favorite characters in one of my favorite books I read, his name is Paul. Paul had a purpose to go and plant churches. He had a purpose to go start up little businesses that uh, back in the day in different places. He was an entrepreneur in his own rights, but he also was a tent maker. And he made some, man, he made some powerful tents. Everybody wanted a tent from Paul. And that's how he made his money. He was good at it. So some would say Paul's purpose was to make tents. Some would say it was to start and plant churches. What was his purpose? Man, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I agree with you 100% because I'm glad we had this conversation because that add to the confusion mm -hmm. where it creates clarity from the confusion because mm -hmm. since you clarified that, I realized that I wasn't speaking about the purpose in my uh, statement. I was more identifying a gift. Mm -hmm. So how right. do one differentiate between a gift, a talent, and a purpose? Mm -hmm. Because I have a talent to cut hair, mm -hmm. but my gift is my ability to speak. It wasn't until I learned to attach my gift to my talent, whereas I began to fulfill my purpose. Mm. And even so, I may not even be fulfilling it. Wow. It may be some things I still need to transmogrify and adjust to. So how do you identify the difference between your gift, your talent, and your purpose? And how do you use your gift and your talent to fulfill your purpose? Mm. So, again, you said Paul was a tent maker. But his purpose was, mm -hmm. what was his purpose? To plant churches. To plant churches. So how did he use his ability to make tents 
his gift mm-hmm. to plant churches and did his gift or his talent to build tents help him in building churches? I believe it does. Anything about a tent is this a small church. It was still it, he was still putting up buildings, and I think when you say your ta- differentiate between your talent and your uh, gift. Now I don't want to you know I'm a man of faith, so I'm always going to be use this as my reference point. So for anybody who's watching today, I I don't you know want to cross your barriers of what you believe in, but I just believe that gifts are spiritual gifts. Um, some have gifts of teaching. Some have gifts of, of coming alongside people, which is encouragement. And uh, I just believe that you get your gifts when you come into the knowledge of who you are. Mm-hmm. And when you come into the knowledge of self and your purpose is what's eternal. Your purpose is not going to change. The original purpose of why this mic was put here is to record sound. That's not going to change when, the, when, the, when culture changes. When uh, when the trends change, it's going to always have the same purpose, which is to create, I mean, which is to take in sound. So your purpose is what's eternal. But your talents are going to change. I, the ta- that some of the talents I have right now, I didn't have 10 years ago. Can you achieve purpose without discipline and without having a vision for the purpose? Because one would say, argue and say that vision is different from purpose. But to me, if I'm wrong, correct me. But to me, in order to achieve the purpose or to fulfill the purpose, one must have a, have a vision for it. And you got to have a little form of discipline. Yeah. Uh, I think vision and discipline are essential. If you, without a vision, people perish. As a man, if you don't have a vision for yourself and your family, your family will perish. You've been given a help. If you're, if you're a married man out there, if you've been given a, a spouse, a wife, she's there to help you in the fulfillment of the vision. But if you don't have a vision for her to help you in, why are y'all together? And a lot of times maybe we, in, we engage in conflict within our homes, within our marriages as men is because the wife is frustrated because she's there to help you to carry out something. But if you don't have a clear vision for her to buy into, then she's not really there to help fulfill her purpose in the marriage. Man, I agree with that because I was um, looking at etymology and I was looking at the breakdown of certain words. And one of the words, work, that we take into consideration is if it's a job. Mm-hmm. When the actuality work, actually from Hebrew lexicon, it translates into purpose. Mm-hmm. And when a man, if I put an apple seed in my hand, if I say go work, then it's for that seed to fulfill its purpose by becoming a tree, mm-hmm. producing more fruit that has more seed and continue the production process. Mm-hmm. So when a man is knee deep in his purpose, I think that's when the woman comes along to help him fulfill his purpose. And she is an incubator of the vision. So I 100% agree with you that a lot of the conflict comes when we don't identify with what we're supposed to do. We don't have a vision to how to carry it out. And we confuse vision with plans Mm -hmm. because you have your thoughts. And from your thoughts, you create a vision. Mm -hmm. From the vision, you create a goal to achieve the vision. Mm -hmm. And from the goal, from the vision, you create a plan. And from the plan, you take action and the results is your success. Or the result could be your failure. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, uh, success is predictable. How would you define success? Uh, I'm just thinking for all the men who's out there listening, there's a lot of ways that we can look at what does it mean to be successful as a husband, as a father. And we have culture 
that will impress upon us what success look like. Maybe it's glitz, it's glam, it's having the latest this, the latest that, the size this, this size house, that size car, this type car. And that puts us in pursuits that can get us off track from our purpose. Some good things, it's not God. Things. Because we're trying to line up with the standards of society says success. So what would you say, you know, what, what would you say success is? Well, I'm going to pick it back off Earl Nightingale. He said that success is the worthy realization of a goal. That's right. And so if one set out to hunt squirrels and he's successful with hunting a squirrel, then he just achieves success. If one is uh, have an ideal of having a successful marriage or, or his ideal of marriage functioning a certain way and he achieved the realization of their goal, then that's his definition of success. Mm. Whereas one may have a definition to get a Bentley. Mm-hmm. When the others say he want to graduate college. Mm-hmm. So the Bentley, he can get the Bentley and feel unsuccessful because he haven't completed college. Mm-hmm. And the other can complete college but don't have the Bentley but don't feel successful because that was his realization of his goal. Wow. So I think success is upon your own definition. Mm-hmm. Because so progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Yeah. So if I'm a husband or if I'm a, if I'm a man and I say, I, you know, I want to set out to be the best teacher in the educational uh, institutions. And I go out and teach, then I'm a success? By your definition. By my definition. Now, from another individual, because this is the thing, you can be in your process of achieving that. And you can be hard on yourself. Like, man, I got to do this, I got to do this, because that's your definition of success. Mm-hmm. When someone else will be looking like, damn, Terrell, you got a nice house, a beautiful wife, a big car. You got, you rich. Man, you successful, bro. Mm-hmm. But to you, that's not your success. Those are the tools that you needed to become the successful teacher in mm-hmm. what you desire. So, again, success is based on perspective. Mm-hmm. It's based on perception. Mm-hmm. It's based on your self-image. And it's based on what is your goal. And this is just by my definition and by my opinion. But my opinion doesn't have to be someone else's reality. Because I know a lot of people that's quote-unquote successful by society's definition that are miserable because they feel unsuccessful. Wow. That's why, hence, they go into drug addiction Mm -hmm. or pedophilia Mm -hmm. or or sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. Because that climax helps define a form of success that the money can accomplish. Wow. I, I wanna. I, I think that's very true, very profound. I think one one quote I heard or a statement from a faith leader, Dr. Tony Evans. I heard maybe over about five years ago, radically, and hear me out, radically shifted my paradigm of what I believed and understood success to be. He said that success is realizing and completing your God-given assignment in the earth. Yeah, right in that. <laughs> this is Dr. Tony Evans said, realizing and completing your God-given assignment is, a, and that's a success. And I thought about it, realizing and completing. So when you realize and then complete your God-given assignment, you're a success. And that takes it from my own, my own perspective of what it is. Wait, I concur. Did you have to concur? Yeah, I concur. <laughs> so I think we, we've been able to, to nail down that discipline is essential. We've been able to nail down you need character. We've been nailing down purpose. It's going to get us um, clear on what we need to do. But let's help the brothers out today with their money. Let's talk about finance. Okay. All right. You, why do you feel finance is essential to uh, the composition of a man? 
Uh, because money answered all things. All right, now come on. And that's come and and now literally, I'm not saying it from a I'm not saying it from a dogish or a dogmatic perspective. Come on, because at one point I was one of the ones that felt like money created a lot of problems, and one money was the root of evil. When really, it's the person's perspective that holds the money, mm-hmm. which creates the root of all evil. And one of my favorite books clearly states that money answers all things. Mm-hmm. Without money, you can have the proper uh, solution to your health mm-hmm. problems. Uh, without money, you may have an idea for the vision of your family, but mm-hmm. how can you? Really Realize it because the tools that you need, the essentials that you need, cost money. Mm. So I think that money is essential, but it's how you utilize money because one may think one stream is essential, but it's similar to this table. Mm-hmm. It's loose, uses as a metaphor. So the, ta- the table, this foundation that you set things on, this is the vision or this is the purpose for mm-hmm. your family. Mm-hmm. But you have to set the things for the purpose. You have to set the things for the vision on mm-hmm. it. And if not, it collapse. How do you sustain it? With the table legs. Mm-hmm. And each table leg should consist of a stream of income. Wow. So we talk about streams, we talk about multiples to sustain your family because to have one actually puts you in a position of vulnerability and puts you in a position to be indoctrinated and manipulated because whereas a job Mm -hmm. can offer you what they're willing to pay you, they cannot offer you what you're worth. Wow. That's powerful. And your pay may just be supplemental to assist you with achieving your goal, Mm -hmm. but you need other streams to be able to create those table legs Mm -hmm. to give you the foundation to then build your family. Can I be on my, can I put someone on this table with one leg? Yeah, but it now has a a solid foundation to stand up. It's not going to even hold the platform for the foundation to sit things on Mm -hmm. one leg. Mm -hmm. As soon as I sit this on, it's going to fall. So I don't have the opportunity to sit things on. So think about it. When we work jobs, that's why we're frustrated. Because we are only maintaining, Mm -hmm. but we can't build. Mm -hmm. Because now we work at 8, 10 hours. You get home, you're tired. Mm -hmm. You can't even work on your vision. Mm. You can't even deal with your family. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get ready to do something else, you got to go right back to work. So it's a stream that don't sustain to really build. So what happens is you become a hamster on a treadmill. It looks good with the house, mm-hmm. but you're renting, you don't own. It's not an investment home. It's not, it looks good, you got the car. It looks good, you got the jewelry. It looks good, you can rip out the credit card to purchase things, but that's an illusion. Mm. Because one of my favorite books state that the borrower will always become slave to the lender. That's right. And also is all you all you doing is really look good losing because there's nothing to sustain. Wow, man, that's rich. But you know what about the brothers? We it's all about our psychology. Like when I think about money, I can't. I gotta go back to our formative years. Because a lot of times we see the fruit of why people have certain things financially, why people don't. But then you got to go back to the root. What was your psychology as a young boy when it comes to money? How did Because how, how your psychology is of money is how you're going to think and relate to money. So if you grew up on we don't have enough, things are tight, money don't grow on trees, 
So then now you come up with those type of concepts and philosophies that carry over to your manhood and how you think about money and relate to it, how you lead your family. And I think we need to, I'm glad you said that, bro, because I was raised with a similar perspective. And um, I always challenge it as a child because the gift of the thing is always inside of it, never outside of it. So when you say that you don't have enough money, how do you don't have enough money? That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, money is what? Mm-hmm. Currency and currency is what energy. So it's an acronym for money that stands for what? My own natural energy yield. Mm-hmm. So whenever you think of money as a tangible form to purchase things or from a form of consumerism, you'll never have enough. Mm-hmm. When we look at money as my own natural energy yield, meaning that whatever skill I have, whatever gift I have, whatever purpose I have, whatever talent I have, if I submit it to the universe uninhibitedly. Mm-hmm then I have the things that I need to sustain myself. Because even when you work, what you're doing, you're exchanging energy, mm-hmm. currency, mm-hmm. for another form of currency, which is money. Wow. So what if you took your energy? What if you work harder on yourself than you did your job? Mm-hmm. What if you work harder on your vision or crystallizing your purpose than you did for another individual? What will happen? Because TDJ said that when you follow your purpose, the profit will follow you. Absolutely. But when you run after profit, you run out of purpose. Now that's an interesting dichotomy because he just said that if I chase my purpose, I have profit. But if I run after profit, I lose my purpose. Well, I lose my purpose, then how would I ever have profit? That put me back a damn hamster on the treadmill. That's right. So how do we get out of that trap? Well, uh, like what you just mentioned, that quote, I think many of us get caught up in being a paper chaser, not a purpose chaser. Mm. So instead of chasing paper, chase your purpose. Because if you chase your purpose, the profit going to follow. And I think when I think about money uh, in that same good book you're referencing, it also talks about money being a defense. Mm. So um, not only does it answer all things, but it also (laughs) is a defense. So when I think about being a man, when I think about being a husband, being a father, I don't just think about money as I got money because um, I'm the provider, but I also have it because of a security that it will put around my family, a hedge of protection. So it's essential if we're talking about the, the composition of a man, we're talking about you want to have your money right because it puts a protective wall around you. Um, a good man will leave an inheritance for his children's children. And I'm just talking about what we leave for them, what we leave in them. So you want to not only put something in them, which is faith that can sustain them, you also want to leave something for them because we need to start reversing those cycles of leaving our kids and our kids' kids with debts to clean up in order to, instead of leaving them uh, trust funds, leaving them IRAs, setting them up with hedge funds. These are all things that are essential. And while we're on the topic, um, like I said earlier, that I'm uh, an investor, I'm also educating myself on the new money system, which is a digital currency. So like you say, currency is always moving. It's moved again. We used to, it started off in the bartering system where people exchange goods and services on bartering. Then it moved to coins. Then it moved from coins to paper dollars. Then it moved to paper. And y'all know we're in the technology realm. So now it's going from paper to digital. So now we're talking about digital currency. And I'm educating myself on it so that I can pass something down to my kids. Because many times we've been on the short end of the educational standpoint when it comes to money. But now we're getting on the front end of it. Teaching our kids about what it means to have a hedge fund. How do, what is compounding interest? 
how do I grow my money over time instead of when I get some, it's going right through my pocket. So those are all essentials that I believe are important for us to have as a man so that we can pass it down to our kids. And I like what you said about money being a defense. And we talk about defense. As soon as you said defense, my mind went towards the various methods of defense. So we talk about defense from a form of defending yourself. You got hands. Mm -hmm. You got boxing. You got jujitsu. You got a gun. You got a knife. You got a slingshot. You got a born arrow. You got alarm systems. You got a dog. All these are methods of defending yourself from harm. So we talk about the money being a defense to protect our family. What are some of the tools? I know we stated one about investment, Mm -hmm. but multiple streams of income being two. What are some good investments pertaining to the new era with digital currency or dealing with the stock market or dealing with Mm -hmm. those platforms in general? What's what? What what's okay? One of my favorite tools is some. I'm, I I prefer hand to hand combat, but because of mm-hmm. guns and mm-hmm. because of the situation, you got uh-huh. to arm yourself with certain things. Right. So uh, one of my favorite weapons, I like the AR-15. So what's one of your favorite weapons in the financial realm to defend your family? Mm, that's good. Thank you. Um, before I answer that, everybody who's watching, I just want to let you know that I am not a financial expert or a financial consultant by any licensure or any credentials. But what I do have is my own self-education that's worked out to be profitable for myself and my family. And if you want to take down that same road, definitely do so at your own risk. But I believe that having one of my essentials in my defense mechanism is a hedge fund. There are sustainable hedge funds in the new currency market that you can actually invest in and grow your money over time. And the reason why it's my favorite a hedge fund is because you get to activate the eighth wonder of the world. For the people that's listening and may not know what a hedge fund is and uh, what is a hedge fund? That's good. That's good stuff. Let's get down to the basics. So a hedge fund is basically where a group of investors come together in one fund to make investments where they can mitigate their risk. And mitigate just means minimize. So you minimize your risk when you invest in a hedge because now you're not the only one that got skin in the game. So for example, if I wanted to invest in this one particular asset and I put in $50,000, well if it tank, I ate all that risk to myself. But if I go into a hedge fund with five other people who put in 10000 each, now, if that whole 50000 tank, I only took a $10,000 loss versus a $50,000 loss. So a hedge fund is when you pull in funds in together with other investors in order to mitigate your risk on investment. So there are sustainable platforms that you can invest in and grow. And what I think is powerful about it, why it's one of my favorite weapons, is because you get to enact the eighth wonder of the world, which Albert Einstein said is compounding interest. Mm. So fellas... Brothers, if you are listening, you want to have compounding interest working for you and your family. Compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He said that those who don't know it will have to live by it. But those who, do, those who know it will live by it. Those who don't know it will be ruled by it. So compounding interest is when you go out, fellas, you go out and get your car and you have a principal on it, they're going to tack on interest. And now the bank is getting all the money. So what we need to do is put that principle to work in our lives. Where is your money growing interest at? 
See, these are the things I didn't learn growing up as a kid. But now, coming into the knowledge of it as a man, I'm going to make sure that that's an essential principle that my children know that they want to have compounding interest and earning interest on their income. So those are all essential. So I think that are um, important to have working in your financial portfolio. Uh, what are some of the things that consist of uh, compound interest? I know you talk about a, a hedge fund and like, give me an example of, of an investment that produces compound interest. Uh, well, I, speaking personally, uh, I'm a Bitcoin investor. So I invest in Bitcoin, which is the number one digital asset right now per capita. Uh, per capita, it's the largest asset over all central banks put together. And uh, there are platforms where you can purchase some Bitcoin, put it into a crypto hedge fund, and gain 10% on average per month of interest. So, for example, if you start off, you ain't got to be big. You know, a lot of times we think that, hey, I don't have money to invest. You got to, it be having to be in the thousands. It could be $50 that you invest and have it in a hedge fund. And if it grows to by 10% the following month, now you got $5 that you just earned. So now your balance goes from $50 to $55. Well, the next month when it goes 10% interest, now you're going to get 10% interest on 55 versus the initial 50 so now it just keeps compounding and compounding. Before you know it, you can look up 10 years later and it's well over certain six figures that you did just with a small investment because you allow compounding interest to work for you and not against you. Now, when it comes down to Bitcoin, I have, now, you know, I had a lot of hesitations and I had a lot of reluctancy with Bitcoin, as others did, um, because, number one, it could be my ignorance, my lack of knowledge of the system, or it could be... Uh, the fact I like holding things tangibly. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's talk to some of the people that may be suspicious about it because I was one at one point. You had to educate me. You uh, brought my wife and I along mm -hmm. onto an investment group. It's mm -hmm. been profitable and a mm -hmm. lot of different things, and mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of benefit from it. I'm living from the benefit on it uh, or from it to a certain extent. I'm still growing with it. Uh, however, one of my main concerns before you educated me was is that I can see my money. Mm -hmm. I can touch my money. Mm -hmm. I can see my goal, and I can touch my goal. And it almost, you know, being from Memphis, this land of con artists and okay. <laughs> things of that nature, man, I, I, I felt like Bitcoin was like a con artist move at one point because you're convincing me to give you my cash, mm -hmm. my goal, something I can tangibly possess for a digital number on a system that I can't access and that you can wipe away at any given moment. Mm -hmm. It's almost the same thing with the banks. It's like... Uh, yeah, that's actually what I was going to respond and say. We're already in that same system with central banks. It's regulated. So that means they have all the playing rules. What I like and appreciate uh, for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency over standard traditional banking, the way we handle money now, is that it's regulated. So that means there's financial institutions that regulate what you can and cannot do with your money, and they're the third party in the middle. What I like about cryptocurrency is that it is deregulated, decentralized. So there is no one financial institution that governs 
what you do with your money, when you do it, and how often you can do it. I guess my concern was just like we have a crisis, a serious crisis, God forbid, and everyone got to run to the bank and pull their money. It's impossible. You're not going to get anything because even if you go right now to try to pull a certain corner down, they're going to put you on a waiting period. You got to mm-hmm. give them notice. Mm-hmm. So suppose everyone needs to go get their money to be able to function on the outside. You can't get access. And if the system is down, how can they use things digitally? So it's just a concern for me. It's like, is that a finesse move, for lack of better words, because because I'm giving you everything. It's like when I say, Terrell, give me $20,000, and then I write $20,000 on a piece of paper, and I give you that paper. Mm-hmm. But you can't utilize it until you get certain approval. It's just interesting yeah. to me, and I'm not being in opposition to it. Mm-hmm. I'm only questioning it because I don't have enough information. It's the difference between denying something mm-hmm. and not having enough information. I'm... Uh, I hate using the word I, uh, but the way I've been taught to think is to not judge mm-hmm. nor give things the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. but to collect data and make a database decision. So I can't oppose anything, nor can I fully agree until I have enough data. So I want you to, because people that's listening, it's going to be some say, oh, yeah, I know about Bitcoin. Yeah, I know about digital currency. So I'm going to be like, man, that's some bull crap. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you my bread to give me some digital information that I can't access at my own leisure. Like, you, you're finessing me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're getting all the... Go- that's just like... For example, I remember in in night in 2000, I was in the streets heavy, and uh, for some for some reason, it'd be these signs everywhere said, "We will buy gold. We will buy gold." Mm-hmm. They finessed. Then they put they had the rappers were a lot of platinum, and everybody going platinum and saying that platinum was higher when platinum really didn't have no value. Mm-hmm. They tricked us. Mm-hmm. They had us sell all the our gold, got all the gold out of everybody's hands, and then the price shot up, and they started utilizing for different things. And they so it, it was like it was a mean finesse move to get all the gold out of people's hands. You remember all them signs that we would buy gold everywhere? Yeah, absolutely. And then how they were platinum, 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 and they couldn't find out platinum had no value. It was a metal that was cheaper. Than, it was just so interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it, the same thing with diamonds when. Well, actually, how do they not now? If you notice, they saying bust down watches, bust the diamonds, diamonds, diamonds. When actuality, if you don't have a certain quality of diamond, it depreciates. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have the value in it. And if you flood out your piece with diamonds, mm-hmm. then there's less gold, which has less value. Mm-hmm. When the more gold and the less diamonds, the more value. So it's a finesse move again. Now, diamond, 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 during a time frame, we need to buy gold, 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 yeah. and sit on it. So for someone that may be a skeptical, a skeptic, skeptical or may not understand, how would you educate them about investments for someone that's, that, that don't believe in the new digital world? And if you want, I was one you had to convince. Now yeah. I'm a believer, but yeah. I was one of the ones you had to talk for a while. And honestly, I got to be real. Yeah. It wasn't until I saw the benefits of your life. Yeah. I saw you leave your job. Mm-hmm. I saw you live off interest. Come on now. And <laughs> prospering. So I was like, hold up, man. <laughs> Shit. What? <laughs> what I need to. Uh, what I need to do is how that Bitcoin work? I yeah. think. Well, you said something so uh, profound that it wasn't until you saw physical, tangible results. And I think that's with everything. I think when uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg said that he had a concept like Facebook. Many people didn't buy into it until it started to pick up. Those are called a certain. It takes a certain type of pe- person to be an early adopter. 
And then you start to see the mass momentum once people start to get comfort and the fear starts to reduce and everybody catch on and gravitate to it. Mm. So I saw myself as a pioneer to go in and create tangible results so that other people could have something to believe in, something that they could reach out and touch. Because, yes, it has been able to allow me and my family to live off the interest of our investments. And I don't say that lightly because it's truly it truly is a blessing to be able to do so. And I want to be able to educate as many people in our community, men especially on the new money system, demystify and debunk some of those hesitations and reservations that many people would have. Because, like I said, it's a digital currency. Like you said, it could vanish at any time. It could disappear. Um, and those are some real legitimate concerns. And what I want to do is on next week's episode, invite you all back to hear what are the foundational uh, pieces to Bitcoin, what are some of the essentials to the new money system, and we're going to demystify and debunk some of those myths on next week's episode. Man, correct. And before we, I know we run out of time, before we close out, we dealt with some of the compositions of a male, right? We dealt with purpose, we dealt with discipline, uh, we dealt with some of the keys to be able to sustain your family, have a defense. Mm-hmm. And an offense to be able to do the things you need to do to continue to build a bigger defense for lack, mm. and leisure, mm-hmm. for lack of better words. And so I want to deal with two points as we close. I want to deal with creativity. Uh, a lot of times uh, dealing with manhood and dealing with us building, we can't build because we're so doggone competitive. And I think that we need to put energy on being a creator versus being a competitor. There's uh, nothing wrong with having self-competition. There's nothing wrong mm. with competing within the realms of sports activities or et cetera, but oftentimes we are unable to cut it off. So how can I join with you for a hedge fund mm. if I'm so competitive? I'm not even trying to listen to what you're saying or take the information, so I'm so combative, ready to challenge you and say, well, you took my hedge fund, well, I know about this, and mm. I know that. Instead of, I'm not going to say being humble, because that's an interesting word. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say being submissive. That's an interesting word. I'm going to say submit to the order of your purpose mm-hmm. and submit to a higher calling of understanding. Uh, so what do you think about the creativity and competition? Uh, I'll start c- competition. I think that, uh, especially in African-American culture, we have been indoctrinated to be crab in a bucket mentality and pull each other down our support so it's been innate in our dna to do that so we got to rewire we got to rewire and we got to look at some of these other cultures that are combining forces not competing but collaborating and it's power and collaboration i think about one of my favorite books napoleon hill there's a chapter that talk about the mastermind and think and grow rich and when you put together a mastermind now there's a third mind that's created where now powerful ideas and concepts are birthed and if we are competing against each other we can never pull our ideas resources talents into create something that could be beneficial to us so i would say instead of competing you don't have anybody to compete against actually you have one person and it's yourself we don't have to compete against each other there's this lie that's been told that there's not enough that there's a shortage, but when the scarcity mentality, but when the reality is there's a surplus, there's more than enough, 
and me going after hedge funds and you going after trust funds doesn't stop you from getting what you need and what I need to get what I need. There's more than enough for everybody. So I just think that that competitive nature is going to keep us in the same situations that we've always been in. But when we come together, when we pool our resources, our knowledge, our skills, we're able to, you know, take things to the next level. Yeah, and I think with creative, a lot of people say, I'm not a creative person. Um, you know, you think of creative as people who are artsy, people who are musical, people who uh, they, they're in a the theater. You know, they call those creatives. When in nature, when in, not, in, not in nature, but in, in, um, in actuality, we all are creative. If we're made in the like image of our father, we're all are creative because we're made in this like image. He was a creator. So if you're made in his image, you have creative forces and power within you. So you exercise that creativity that's been put within you. We all have the power to create. You don't have to mean that you're like creating this business or I'm creating this, this dream life, but you do have creative power. And it starts with what you speak. So we're going to change the, our world. We got to first change the way that we speak and think about, it, about ourselves because that's our creative power. Man, that's powerful. And the next point we close, we want to deal with environment mm -hmm. briefly. How important is environment to growth? Well, environment is everything. I was actually just listening to a message the other day, and it was talking about you don't look at the fruit, you look at the soil. So the soil is where the, the seed can take, either take root and spring up a tree that can give you fruit, or it can just die right in itself. So the the environment the, the environment is essential, but doesn't and I and I don't like to really dig that hard into environment because many people use it as a crutch, depending on where we came from. You was either in abusive uh, abusive environment or you was uh, in different environments where you grew up in that we could kind of pinpoint that is why I am the way I am and I can't change or that's why I was dealt this certain hand because I was in this certain environment. It is History debunks that because there's yeah. so many people came from negative environments that was able to grow out of it. And not to interrupt you, I'm going to mm -hmm. say this real quick and you can continue. When we talk about environment, we're just not talking about environment from a physicality standpoint. Also, I think what's important, the reason why those people was able to come out of those negative environments and create something different was because of their mental environment. Mm, mental environment is now that is so powerful. Because you can have a certain mental environment in the midst of your external environment. That's right. Because oftentimes, mm -hmm. very frequently, your vision, who you are, when it's time to act, is going to be birthed when you're in a condition or an environment that's opposite of what you see mm. I can agree with that and how do we as men climb out of that how do we how do we these said mental environment yeah cause like you got a job but you currently seeing visions of you're gonna be a millionaire you currently seeing visions you can get this off the ground you currently seeing visions that you can be an investment but mm -hmm. the moment you're thinking it 
Your boss said, you can do this, do that. I need you to do this, do that. Mm. So you can say, well, my environment, I can't do that. Or is the mental environment that actually pushes you out of the physical, environment. physical environment. It does propel you out, but I think you got to have a strategic plan. You got to be strategic. Um, I don't want, you know, fellas, to think I got to I gotta press the eject button right now on my job and start on my vision. I think that you just use it as a, a, as a launching pad. Let your let your job be your first investor for your business. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Use that as your investor. Take those funds to start feeding your vision and your passion. Then create a strategic exit plan that's sustainable for you and your family that you lead, so you can get it off the ground. Um, because you, like you said, environments are everything. Your mental, your physical environment can affect your mental environment. And once you get that environment change, now you can start to see different fruit in your life. Mm. Man, that's uh I think we're gonna close with that one. That's 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 you have anything else you wanna say, bro? I wanna say uh it's been my plum pleasing pleasure <laughs> to have been a voice on the Barber's Voice today. I think this is a great great platform for men to come and get fed and for us to grow and to continue to hear other voices like you said at the beginning. Every man from the cradle to the grave is gonna have to come through the barbers and we all have a voice. So I thank you for having me on today's episode. Look forward to joining you again if you would have me. Oh, and it's all time. Man. And continue to uh, just share wisdom with all the men who are out there having uh, you know, difficulties and we can affect positive change in their lives. So thank you for having me on today's episode. I enjoyed everything with everybody who's watching today. For sure. And thanks for coming. And something I want to leave you guys with is that make sure that even though you may have an external environment in a certain way, let's try to function a mental environment to help produce the things we desire. Because if you don't see it in your mind, you'll never see it in your life. Let's also try to identify what our purpose. Again, you said that success. You said that success is, you said Success. Tony Evans said, "What now?" You said, "I wrote it down." But so, Tony Evans defines success as realizing and completing our divinely assigned assignment, and we got to realize it, and we also got to complete it. And also, let's not put so much emphasis on being competitive. Uh, it's almost borderline being a hater. Uh, let's be creative. Let's tap into our div- uh, divinity. Let's tap into our 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 essence of who we are. And uh, let's be disciplined. Remember that behind every disciplined effort there's multiple rewards and that the bridge between your goals and its accomplishment will always inevitably be disciplined. So we appreciate you guys coming out to the Bible Voice, listening to us, man. We're going to continue to give you all we got with all that we have. You have a great day. Peace out. See y'all guys later. See y'all next time on the Bubba's Voice. <laughs>